good to be here this morning. How are you feeling? All right. Good. It's good to know. Um, we are, uh, this part of the service, studying God's Word. If you haven't got a Bible, you're going to need a Bible this morning. Just stick your hand up. Chris and Phil are waiting eagerly to pass you a Bible. And if you get one of these special church Bibles, you will know that it will be on page 1,184. If you don't have a special church Bible, you need to know we're in Colossians chapter 3. Probably around about 1,184, but not guaranteed. It's in my Bible, 1,088. So somewhere there anyway. Just before Christmas, I had my eyes tested. It turns out that I'm getting older. And so are my eyes. So I've got these glasses, which are great, because I can now really see clearly what I'm preaching to you. But when I look up to you, you're all a blur. So I might keep taking them on and off, and I'll, well, bear with me. It's good to be able to see you. So I know that you haven't just left a pile of clothes and walked on out. But you're still here. Okay, are we already on page 1,184? I'm going to pray. We didn't pray for the children, but we're going to pray for them as well. Let's just... Before we turn to his word, let's just pray. Our Heavenly Father, we have a good passage here this morning before us. A passage which is still relevant to us today, as it was to the church in Colossae 2,000 odd years ago. It's from your word, Lord. And Lord, I pray that as we study it and we look at it this morning as a church, Lord, I pray that you will open it to us in a new and living way. Lord, speak to us as individuals, I pray. Lord, for the children and their teachers that have gone out as well, they are still very much studying your word this morning, and I pray that you will teach them something new this morning as we all meet together in your name, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. I decided this morning um, when looking at this passage that instead of just reading it from uh, Colossians 3, by the way, verses 1 to 11, I'm going to read it in bits. And as we read it, we're going to look at it together. I'm going to try and be dynamic. And it'd be really good if you could be dynamic too. So a little bit of audience participation, if you like. Feel free to uh, call things out. So we're going to start with verse 1. And it says in verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Raised with Christ. You can see I'm going to stop every now and then. I do apologize. There will be some flow. Raised with Christ. What does that actually mean? Well, in order to understand that, and we haven't got time this morning, we really need to understand where Paul's come from and, and what he's been talking about in chapters 1 and 2. And I would encourage you, we're starting a new series uh, this morning, uh, Is Your Church Different? Actually, that starts next week for three Sundays, and today we're looking at It's a Different World. And we're in Colossians for the next four weeks, including this Sunday. So why not, when you get home today, read back from chapter 1 all the way through. It's only, in my Bible, about four pages long. Not even that. Three and a bit pages long. It won't take you long, and it will set you up for the next three Sundays coming. Give you a real understanding of what's going on. But he has been talking about, in chapters 1 and 2, of the Son, the Lord Jesus, coming in the image of God, who came to be restored Uh, to restore a relationship that we need between us and God. He's been talking about this gospel being so important, so much that he suffers for it. 
longing for people to grasp a full understanding and encouraging them to stay strong and stay focused. So we get into this passage and we get, since then, therefore, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts. Set. What do you think he means by set? Call out. Come on. Fixed. Another word, maybe? Focused. Determined. We've got to be absolutely 100% fixed, set, focused in our minds. On things above, not on earthly things. Sorry, I've jumped there. (laughs) Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then again, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. Died means? Absolutely. This isn't, we haven't physically died, as it were. It isn't, um, as you hear the teenagers say when they're really embarrassed, oh, I just died. This is died spiritually. We have set behind us things that have happened before, and something is happening that's new. There is a new life through Christ that has been risen. And it says here, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is in your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Four points this morning, and those first four verses give us our first point, and that is, look up. Paul here writes, set your hearts on things above. Have you ever walked into a lamppost? I guess if you've walked into a lamppost, and I do believe I've done that same thing, um, you would have done so for one or two reasons. One, you would have been distracted, maybe looking to one side or the other. Or two, you've been looking at your feet and walking along. And the lamppost gets you. You need to be looking up, not to walk into the lamppost. And in a way, although perhaps 2,000 years ago in Colossae they didn't have too many lampposts, this is what Paul's saying to us this morning. We need to be watching where we're going, or spiritual lampposts are going to come and slap us around the face, and we're going to be bruised and hurt. The word set means to seek something out, to desire it, to possess it. Notice the word is a present tense. It's something, therefore, that implies this isn't something we've done. It's something that we have to continually do. We have to continually focus. We have to continually determine. We have to make sure our desire is continually on things above. Look above. Notice it's set on two things there. Firstly, set our hearts on things above. Secondly, set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. This literally translates, keep on thinking as a matter of habit on things above and not on things on earth. Yeah, we need our feet on the ground, but we need to be focused on what's going on in heaven. Thoughts can influence actions. 
If we place our thoughts on things above, are not on earth, our behavior will reflect the things that matter to God. It requires a tenacious effort on our part. We tend to look down by nature instead of looking up. If you've come to church this morning and you've perhaps feeling a little low, I know there's been a lot of physical illness going around recently. I've got a bit of a sore throat myself and hoping nothing comes of it. You know, we can feel drained and we end up walking along, looking down at our feet. We need to look up. Okay, carrying on, verse 5. Put to death. That's there again. We've died. Put to death, therefore. What does death mean? Kill it. Stop it. Don't do it. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Then Paul gives us this whole list of sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. What is he saying here? These are all things that get in the way of God. If you want to sum it up, they're idols. They're things that we focus on, and we should, it says that we should have nothing before the Lord our God. Last Sunday evening, when those doing Christianity Explored were in here doing Christianity Explored, myself and Julia were at the other end of the building, we were doing ELF about life and faith, a sort of mini Christianity Explored for 7 to 11-year-olds. And one of the points that we put across was, what is sin? And sin, we said to the children, as easy as one, two, three. One, me first. Two, others second. Three, God last. Actually, it should be the other way around. We want God first, others second, and me well. Then it goes on, verse 6. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God. We often talk about the God of love and the God of grace. We often forget that, as it says, there is a time when mercy and judgment meet. Verse 7. You used to walk in these ways. What does that mean? Walk in these ways. You used to sin. He's talking about that list. He's talking in 2,000 years ago to the Colossians. But actually it's relevant now, isn't it? Did we used to walk in these ways? Did we used to sin like this? I mean, they are pretty nasty sins, some of the sins listed there. Gross sins, you might say. Who in the past has, I'm not offering you to put your hands up, you can if you like, has done gross sin. Let's not forget, actually, all sin is gross sin. All sin is bad. So what does he say? You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. 
That word rid there makes me think of pest control. You're trying to get rid of a pest. Last summer, uh, for the fourth time in a series of four years, I was down at Hill House running a summer camp uh, for 11 to 15-year-olds. And one of the things we will remember 2012 Hill House for is this little thing called the slug. They first became very much apparent on one of the first evenings. We were playing a game out in the dark, and the kids were in a field. Uh, those that know Hill House will know it's the ha-ha field. Actually, I was on top of the ha-ha, surveying the scene and enjoying myself watching people getting lost in the dark. We happened to shine a torch down at our feet. And in the space, that the little pool of light that my torch shone down, there must have been a dozen slugs. And you sort of shone around and you realized actually there was an infestation of slugs. And it became a bit, bit of a problem. Girls wouldn't go to bed in the tents if there was a slug. Boys also, actually, but the girls particularly. There was one night when uh, another problem we had, surprise, surprise, we had a lot of rain. It was that summer. Another problem we had was uh, one of the tents got flooded out, and thankfully we had a spare tent. But nobody had been doing pest control on that tent. And it was day four, and actually we needed to go and clear the slugs. And myself and another one of the leaders went in with a carrier bag, and we started gingerly, hate the things, trying to pick up these slugs with a bit of a stick. And in the end, it got pointless, and you just pick them up with your hands, for goodness sake. Half a carrier bag full of slugs. Why do I tell you this? We needed to get rid of the slugs. And this is what Paul is saying here. Oh, we've just gone. Behave. This is what Paul is saying here. These things in your life, think of them like slugs. They're not nice things. Let's get rid of them. So, we need to look up. We also need to look out. We need to look out for these things that are happening. Watch out, if you like. It's nothing new. Again, when you get home later, have a look at Numbers 25. Numbers 25, fourth book of the Bible, chapter 25. Israel is about to enter the promised land after 40 years of hanging around in the desert. You'd expect to find them absolutely joyous, excited, pumped up, ready to go. The promised land is only a day or so away. Instead of thanking God, the men of Israel are sleeping with foreign women and worshipping false gods. And needless to say, God's anger burned against the Israelites and he sent a plague. In the midst of God's judgment and all this going on, one guy was so brash that he didn't even try to hide his sin. He marched right in front of the people with a Midianite maiden on his arm, took her into the tent to sleep with her. Picture the scene. You've got Moses at the time talking to the judges of Israel outside the entrance of the tent of meeting. And he's telling them what they need to do. Meanwhile, this chap called Zimri decides he's going to take a Midianite back to his tent to sleep with her right in front of them, flaunting his sin. 
enter another person onto the scene. Phineas. When he saw what was going on, he jumped up, grabbed his spear, ran to the man's tent, and drove a spear through both the man and the woman as they lay together. The plague immediately stopped, but not before 24,000 people were killed. And God says, and this is a great verse, in verse 11 of Numbers 25, Phineas has turned my anger away from the Israelites, for he was as zealous as I am for my honor. Because Phineas was looking up, he was also looking out. Paul wants us to look out, so he lists some of the sensual sins here in our passage in Colossians. And we must slay these with the same passion as Phineas. We have to grab our spear or our sword. Anytime these desires come to awaken in our lives, any of the things that we've tried to put behind us, we need to grab our spear and thrust it right through them. We need to put them to death. Now, I realize you came to Abbey Church this morning for a positive message. You want you to be lifted up. Well, here's the positive bit. God loves you too much to allow you to mess up your life with sensual sins. It's not a killjoy. He made you and he knows what's best for you. That's why he wants you to live in purity and enjoy sexual expression within the bounds of monogamous marriage. We've got a big world out there that really needs to hear that message. Jesus will give you grace. He is a God of love. But he also tells you the truth about your sin because he is the perfect embodiment of both grace and truth. Just as he told the woman who was caught in adultery, go now and leave your life of sin. So too, he calls us to look out and stop what we're doing so that we can follow him completely. I love what it says in, if you've got the message edition, Eugene Peterson's um, paraphrase of the Bible, it talks there about uh, an image of taking off old, smelly clothes. Before we can put on the new, we must first take off the old. And the the verb rid calls for an immediate, decisive resolution. Before new garments of righteousness can be put on, the old rags of sin must be discarded. Let's look at those things that he lists there. Anger. It's a continuous attitude of hatred that remains bottled up within. Rage is when it comes bursting out uncontrollably. Malice is the attitude of ill towards a person. It's often a hidden hatred of the heart that takes revenge in secret. Slander is when we destroy another person's good reputation by lies. Gossip, spreading rumors. Filthy language is crude talk or abrasive words which are filled with swearing and sexual innuendo. Lying to one another disrupts unity by destroying trust. We've looked at that before. It takes forever to build up trust. Just a few bad words to just destroy it. 
So this morning, here we are, saved by grace, and we should be living in a different world. These behaviours, Paul's saying, has no place in any Christian or in any church. They're part of your old life. They're the old clothes, if you will. We must resolutely rid ourselves of all these repulsive old sins and all that horrible speech and put on the attitudes and actions that we see in Jesus. Brings us to... uh, No, it doesn't. Brings us to verse 10. And I have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Verse 10. Being. There's the first word I want to highlight in that verse. Who in their Christian walk has arrived? I'll give you a clue. Don't put your hand up. We're constantly having to discard the old and put on the new. That's why that word being is there. It's present tense. Renewed. We're being changed constantly. Sanctified. Always. Cleaned. Every day. In knowledge. Knowledge. A new way of thinking. If you're having trouble understanding life, let God show you his perspective. Let God give you an understanding of his thinking. And then the word image. This, there's a message about putting on new clothes. Um, and in the message it talks about those new clothes being God's label. I like that. God has a new set of clothes for you, which are designer. He's made them individually for you. They fit perfectly. He's got a whole wardrobe laid out for you. Splendor of new things. Get rid of the old clothes. Just destroy the old wardrobe, he's saying. Put on new clothes, which are his label, in his image. He's constantly trying to get us to be restored to what we were originally created. Paul's children's talk, that was brilliant. When people are born, don't they look so wonderful and innocent and clean? Well, once the nurse has scrubbed them up a bit anyway. That purity. And yet we all put on those horrible clothes until we have this opportunity in Christ. So, not only should we be looking up, not only should we be looking out, but we should be looking in. After looking up and looking out, if we're serious about breaking free from the past, we must also look in. We do this by recognizing the truth about what happened at conversion. If we look at the last part of verse 9 and the first part of verse 10, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. This isn't a command we have to keep, it's a truth that we have to claim. The point is, we have been saved. 
It isn't a struggle from the point of view of, oh, I've got it wrong again. Don't please be looking down at your feet and going, oh, woe is me, I've done all those bad things. All of that has gone. We need to understand that in us is part of our creator. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit has moved into our lives at the point we become a Christian and within us we can see the goodness of God. Yes, we're constantly having to be renewed, but it is a truth to claim. It's already been done. We're exhorted to stop doing certain things, not because it's hard, but because he helps us to do it. As we look in, we realize we are no longer what we once were. The new self has been put on, yet it's being renewed in knowledge and in the image of its creator. We are created in the image of God, but because of our sin, that image has been defaced. God's purpose is to restore that image in us. Paul in Romans 12 says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Brings us on to verse 11. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Very simple, verse 11. We are all the same in Christ. No labels, but Jesus' label. We need to see God, sorry, we need to see others as God sees others. He has chosen you, made you holy, he dearly loves you. With Jesus, it's a different world. So yes, we have to keep looking up, says Paul. Yes, we have to look out for those things that we get wrong. Yes, we have to look in and see what Jesus is doing in our lives. And lastly, we have to look around. The fourth aspect of breaking free from our past, we must look around and see others as Christ sees them. The gospel breaks down walls of prejudice. And Paul here lists four groupings that need to dissolve in the church. Racial distinctions, religious distinctions, cultural distinctions, and economic distinctions. In Christ, we are all the same. All of these human barriers are the old man, not the new one. Christ is all and is in all. So we need to stop looking down and searching for something that will never satisfy. Instead, seek Christ by looking up. Live Christ by looking out. Looking in and looking around. That's it. 11 verses, Colossians 3. Let's pray. I don't know where you are this morning in your walk. I don't know how you're feeling. I don't know anything about your past. There was one thing that um, I meant to say earlier. 
If you're dwelling on your past, let me just tell you this. The only person that will talk to you about your past is the devil, the enemy. The Holy Spirit won't remind you about your past. The Holy Spirit is interested in your future. You hear us talking about the difference that God has made in our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and actually you're not sure that you have made that commitment to God. Doing that this morning will allow you to have a whole new wardrobe. To get rid of the old things. To destroy those clothes. To kill them. Burn them if you like. Be assured of this, it's a long process. I stand here this morning having studied Colossians 3 for the last couple of weeks and as no doubt previously have continued to struggle with it. This isn't about being condemned. This is about being set free. This isn't about making ourselves feel bad. This is about looking up and seeing our Saviour in heaven This is about understanding that he sits there at the right hand of God in the throne room of heaven. He is there interceding for us. He is there to be able to care for us. He is there because he has won. And so often we forget that. So this morning as we sit, perhaps having spent the last few weeks wandering around looking at our feet, Well, perhaps this morning it's a lamppost that we're about to be struck with. An instant reminder that we really should be looking up. Looking out. Looking in. You are a new creation, it says. You are recreated. You are born again. Paul talked about how these children looked so perfect when they were new. You can be remade perfect. And he will continue to do that work for you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your message. We thank you for the fact that it is a lamppost that strikes us occasionally and really leaves us understanding that we really need to wake up and really need to watch where we're going in our lives. But we thank you for the guidance it gives us. We thank you for the, the message, however hard. We thank you for the fact that you want us to understand the truth. For by that we will be set free. Help us, Lord, as you know us, as individuals here this morning at Abbey Church. Help us to understand how we should be walking with you. How we should be setting our focus. How we should be gaining our desires. How our interest should be on things above, but yes, with our feet on the ground. How we should be walking the walk. Lord, if there's those amongst us this morning that don't really know, don't really understand, Lord, I just pray for them now that you will speak to them in their own hearts. You will give them a fresh understanding and know that they need that relationship with you. Lord, at the very beginning of creation, you were there. And the relationship was awesome. 
sin come in and it all broke. And Lord, we just want to see, as Paul says when he says in chapter 2, I am suffering for the gospel. Lord, we are determined that as many people as possible in this community come to know you through faith. That they will understand that that relationship can be restored, can be made new, and in you something special can exist. In Jesus' name. Amen.